Um, huh? Cancel. Thank you. Cancel. Father's Day. <laughs> yeah, no, no launch team meeting morning or night. No launch team meeting on Father's Day. Yeah, go to church Sunday morning. All right, so we've been talking a lot, a lot here about what we're going to be doing on Sunday mornings and our vision for Sunday mornings. And that's really good because that's a big part of who we are. But if we start a church that is just about Sunday mornings, we're really going to have blown this opportunity. Because what we want to do is create a church that's about people who are living what we talk about. So that we're not, it's not just about Sunday morning. That's the whole point. So if we, and here's the danger for Jonathan and I especially, is we're professionals, right? Like this is what we do. So we think about, we read about it, we breathe it. We like go to conferences about it. It can really easily for us become all about Sunday morning. There's surprisingly many things to think about for just that like hour and a half that we're together. And we can make that, and we talk about this, that can become our focus again. And we really need to fight that drift because we want to be about being in our communities. We want to be about living this life outside of Sunday. That that's where we bring people, but all week long, it's about the other six days are more important actually. And so I want to talk about that because I really don't want us to lose this vision. This whole idea was birthed out of two things. One was a desire to reach people who are far from God. We can call them unchurched. These people have never been to church. De-churched. People who went to church and left for a reason, right? Um, we could call them unsaved or the lost. You know, I try to stay away from those terms a little bit. But the other reason was reaching those who are in need. Physical need, spiritual need, emotional need, those who are living in poverty, those who are living in brokenness or addiction. So it was reaching those who are far from God and being with our lives the light in the brokenness of the world. And, and you can't read Jesus and get away from this stuff. And we, so I've taught on this art. I don't, I don't need to rehash all of it, but I will. Um, we, you know, where Jesus tells parable after parable after parable about, you know, um, the one that always sticks with me is, you know, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And, and he's very specifically saying, this is who comes into eternity, and this is who does not. And this is the litmus test. Did you take care of those in need? Now, we believe that it's by faith you've been saved through grace so that no one can boast. I, we believe that. But there's something about your faith being alive that motivates you to take care of the people who are hurting in this world. And if you're not taking care of the people that are hurting in this world, you could legitimately question from Scripture whether you have a saving faith or not. And that's like, I know, like lots of people would argue with me about that and close to heresy in some churches. But I'm going to preach it from the Bible today as I see it. So... Another thing that's going on is we're noticing that people are leaving the church, that young adults specifically are leaving the church. And one of the main reasons they're leaving the church is that there's no sense of, uh, of engagement. There's no sense of, I see you talk about this faith all the time, but what do you do? And when Hollywood is taking better care of those in need than the church is, we've got a problem. You know, the church tends to point out what we're against, who we're mad at, but we don't often know who we're for. And what we're for. And we want to change that dynamic. We want to be known for something. So if you haven't read Barefoot Christianity, it's a long read, but it's, and it's, it's like one of those that you have to put down every couple chapters because it's too convicting. But you, you should try to read it, try to get through it. It's, it's tough. I want to read you a few quotes from it tonight. So 
I'm going to read you this one. It's behind me. I know many people who just wanted to serve their neighborhoods and communities in ways they felt equipped, called, and within their passions. Yet when they shared this desire with church leaders, they felt isolated. And they went outside the church to find people willing to serve with them. While we may rightly be concerned about people who readily abandon the church community. So he's saying, I don't condone leaving church. I believe we must also take a good look at ourselves. How we've fallen so far into serving ourselves and our structures and our agenda that we are no longer have room for those who want to pour themselves completely out in creative and fresh ways. Here's the dilemma we face. The more people grow in their faith, the less they'll depend on our structures. The more we challenge them to serve, the less they will value our programs. And this is exactly what the Bible says will happen. If a mark of a disciple is one who is on mission, then by our very nature, we must be sent. If it's not our goal to send them, then they will eventually leave anyway. So I think that's really... There's a lot in there that convicts me. I've read that a bunch of times. But for me, what I hear is that, you know, the desire to go is God-given. And the church either has a chance to come alongside that and empower it or resist it and lose people, you know? And so we can join with what God's already doing in people's hearts. And this guy gets more unsaved people to his outreaches than he does to his church. And let me say it like, as participating in his outreaches. And he gets more unsaved people than people in his church running his outreaches. So if he had 100 people running an outreach to the city of San Antonio, right, he would have 70 of them didn't even go to his church and 30 of them did. Because they, it's easier to invite your friends. It's easier to invite your friends to be like, hey, we're going to, you know, to back, pack backpacks for kids who don't, can't afford school supplies you want to come with me? It's easier to do that than to say, hey, I'm going to church. You want to come with me? So this is part of how this answers multiple pieces of our vision. And it's so exciting to me. We talk about uh, a lot, this dichotomy that a lot of people talk about is proclaiming the good news and becoming the good news, okay? Or being attractional. Attractional church is what we've been talking about a lot lately, right? Come to us. Or being missional, which is go to them. And we're going to try to do both. Because I think that's what Jesus did. I think Jesus did both. Let me just read this verse to you. You've all, in this room, read this verse before. But read it again. And just don't caveat it. You know, don't put disclaimers in there. Like, yes, I know Jesus loves me, but there's grace. I know. We know all that stuff. Just read it face value. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? I do this with the youth group on a regular basis. We look at that verse and we ask the hard question, what good is it? Because we do believe that faith can save you, right, alone. But he is really questioning that. Of anywhere in the Bible, in the New Testament, he is questioning Paul's whole philosophy of faith alone leads to salvation, okay? Can such faith save them? That verse is actually in the Bible. That's not just a guy writing about the Bible. This is actually in the Bible. Can faith that has no deeds actually save people? What, is that a rhetorical that he's asking for a yes? The way that he's writing this, do you think that the answer is, yeah, yeah, of course. I don't. I think that he's actually putting his finger on actionless faith and saying actionless faith is not faith at all. If Jesus really grabbed hold of your life, you would be on mission. Because Jesus said, I came to say, see, Seek, seek and save the lost. 
He came to seek and save the lost. And then he said to us before he went to heaven, go, baptize, and teach. That's my summary of the, good, of the, the Great Commission. The Good Commission. It's just all right. There's nothing in there about staying. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? See, and, and this book talks about when the world comes into our building, if we can get them there, and they hear us talking about justice, but they don't see us doing justice, they're going to leave for good. So it would be more beneficial for them to see us doing justice and then hear the theological background for justice, right? But if they don't see us doing it, we dare not talk about it. That's just like, it's so much easier, guys. That's why. It's so much easier to make a teaching and talk about it. It's so much easier for us to study it, as get in small groups and study it some more and study the Greek together and, 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 and turn it backwards and read it backwards and say it in pig Latin and like talk about it until we throw it up all over each other. Okay? It is. It's all, so much easier than we just like put the Bible down and go live somewhere and be on mission. Now, you're not all called to move to Africa. You're not all called to work with people in poverty, but you are all called. We're all called to something. And this is just living for others. It can be as simple as being nice to your neighbor. I really think it can be. You know? Or, or that person in, 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 who's having a hard time, X, Y, Z, whatever you think it is, it's, it's, it's just, just changing the way that we live our life. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds. And I will show you my faith by my deeds. This is so powerful in what the world needs to see, not just hear. You believe there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. I don't know. You can go on. Okay. So we have a passion for what I would call a two-pronged vision for our church. Both of them are Jesus-related. Jesus said both of these things. First of all, Jesus definitely said, go and do. And that's what we're talking about today. We've been talking a lot about the come and see. And that's something that the vineyard talks a lot about, where Jesus' disciples would often go out to their friends, and they'd start talking about Jesus. And instead of like explaining it all, they'd just be like, come and see. Like, that's, that's one of the vineyard, like, you know, catchphrases. So we're going to do that with our lives, guys. This is invitational. The, the whole idea of being attractional invitationals, you know— I'm saying this over and over again because we're, we're breaking down old, old routines in our heads. But you know, if your friend comes to church, that from the moment they drive in the parking lot, that we have tried to think about how would an unchurched person feel. And we want to make people who have never been to church or who have been hurt by the church feel comfortable. Because when you feel comfortable, you feel receptive. Okay? So you know when you invite someone that we're working our butts off as a team to make this as easy as possible. Let us not offend anyone by anything except for with the gospel. If we get to the message and the gospel offends, that's fine. But let's not offend them with our signage, with our Christianese, with our weirdness, with our, you know, if we need to play some secular music in the foyer, <gasps> okay, like make it sound like you've walked into, you know, whatever, into Starbucks. I mean, let's make it like we still live in America and, and, we're, and we're not 200 years old, right? Let's be in this society. Like Jesus said, be in the world, but don't be of the world. So that's a big piece. Come and see. I want, to, I want you guys to get so excited about this as we start to do it that you're like dying to tell more people, you got to come and see. 
But we also have to go and do. And if we don't go and do, there will be nothing to come and see. Okay? We have to go. Did you like that? Write that down. Yeah. You have to go and do. We have to be the people who are in the community. And here's the thing. We're going to build some structures to help, like, be like a, um, like a framework. But if that's all that we do, we'll fail. And this is where it gets so hard. It, it, we can't say, oh, well, Christian, make a bunch of programs and we'll all attend. That's easy, too. But that's not what we're talking about. See, because if it's a program, you can go to the program and then you can come and live your normal life. Listen to that. We're not asking you to live your normal life anymore. Seriously. This is hard. This is something similar to when Jesus said, lay down your cross, or lay down your cross, and run away. (laughs) That's what you're all thinking right now. Take up your cross. Sorry, you guys are way out on the edge of my peripheral. I keep not talking to you, but I love you. All right. Um, they're doing it. <laughs> you know, Jesus didn't, didn't give us easy messages. Easy, I mean, seriously. Yes, he loves us. But he said, take up your instrument of execution and carry it around everywhere you go. Take up the most painful thing that man has invented so far. I mean, that's what he said. Take up your torture device I mean, we've made the cross beautiful and the rugged cross, and we sing about it. It was horrible when he said this. And carry it with you everywhere you go. So it can't be a program. We're talking about changing our lives. We're talking about being different people because we've met Jesus. And if Jesus did this for me, what would I not do for others? Right? Now, this isn't meant to guilt trip you at all. This is to motivate us. And I want to tell you that we're all in the same boat. This is not easy for me. I'm intimidated by poverty. I'm intimidated by people who are different than me. I'm, I'm intimidated by most people. I'm intimidated by Jonathan. So, um, it, anywhere in life, honestly. Singing in front of you was very intimidating. Um, it, <laughs> you said beautiful, actually. Um, I, it's not easy for me, but I know, that it's, I know that it's right. Like, I feel like there's been a shift in me that's like, I just can't think about it anymore. It's like, you just have to try, you know? And we're going to make so many mistakes, and, but it's going to be such a great adventure. You know, when you do stuff together for God and you mess up, there's just, there's a fun element to that, you know? And you build this camaraderie together. So, okay, the reasons that this is important, Jesus told us to, it's good for us, Right? We know that this is good for us. It's good for us to get outside of our comfort zone. It's good for us to love people who have less than us. Um, it's part of being the light of the world. I mean, this is, I've covered that, doing what we were talking about. And it really enforces our vision. I mean, if our main vision is to reach the unchurched, this reaches the unchurched in several different ways. Right? Number one, the unchurched will want to join us. How sneaky is that? The unchurched will be ministered to by us when they're the people we're reaching to. And the unchurched will see us in a different light. We will change how they feel about Jesus and the church. Even if they never walk in the church. Yes. I mean, I'll, I'll read this to you, so you, so you believe it. He's been doing this for years. One of the surprising realities of serving the least is that we can easily have more unbelievers join us in serving than would visit our church on a given Sunday. Can you, can you imagine? 
How awesome would that be? It's much less threatening to an unbelieving neighbor or friend to be invited to serve the homeless or help make over a classroom at an under-resourced elementary school than to be invited to church. They most likely already have been doing some good, but they don't yet see their need for church. So it's incredible. I just, I think it's brilliant. I think that, um, so he gets into talking a little bit about how churches usually either do one or the other. And there's another book that I haven't read yet, but I've read a lot of quotes from called And, The Gathered and Scattered Church. So we'd be both. We're going to be both gathering and scattering. It is the way, it may not be the way that churches have done it very well, but it's the way that the Bible teaches it. And so it will work. So two dangers for us. One is that we slide into becoming just church on Sundays. I already talked about that. Okay? And two is that we just do service and become a nonprofit. So the other side of that coin, like the coin where, oh, we just focus on Sundays and so we stop being the people who go and do. If you just do the go and do, we're the only organization, we're the only business giving Jesus away. We can't stop doing that. So that's what, huh? That's true. He doesn't have a backup plan. So if we just go serve the poor without the mission of Jesus, that's not it either. Is it good to serve the poor? Yes. But anyone can serve the poor. Huh? Even the demons leave. I mean, yeah. We've got to go beyond what other people... Right. Yeah. We have something else. And, and it's really, like, it's a little bit of a wrestling because, like, there's, like, there's, like, disagreement about is it okay for churches to do social justice, like, just social justice? Or do they have to talk about Jesus every time they do that social justice? Well, no, but... Your motivation should be that you are bringing Jesus to people. It's the, it's the mission that motivates the care. And so it's this sense of a social action. I think I have this up here. Is this, did you leave that one up there or did I tell you you rid of it? This, the, three, the three things. So this is from that and book, and gathered and scattered. So evangelism and social action are distinct. Proclamation is the most important. That's telling people about Jesus, Okay. That's the come and see. But evangelism and social action are, should be inseparable. So we should have both. So that's why I titled this Proclaim and Become the Good News to the Broken. We have to be committed to doing both. We have to be committed to proclaiming. And so, you know, this is old hat. You've heard me talk about this. But we're going we're gonna to invite people to salvation every Sunday. Somehow in there, we're going to give, even if it's 10 seconds long, sometimes it'll be longer, we're going to explain just real basic, the gospel message, so that any given Sunday when you might, your friend might actually show up, you might have invited them a hundred times, and they finally come, and then that's the one Sunday where we don't give an offer for salvation, and you'll be like, why God? And we have to do it every week, you know? It can't be scattershot. So it'll be in there, by God's grace, and hopefully I'll remember, and hopefully the other speakers will remember so that'll be there. We have to be proclaiming it, and then we have to be becoming it. We have to be getting out and being the social action. In, in, there's so many opportunities, and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. I mean, we have so many nonprofits just in our little group of 100 people that we can just plug into right now. You know, I'm already talking to Shannon. I think it's going to be in two weeks we're going to do the backpacks. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, but with a new mindset of just— Let's not just come do it together and be so excited that we're so good. Invite some people. We've got to just invite. You just got to be, you just got to get over that fear. So, I know it's so easy for me to say. I know. 
I've been, I feel like I'm trying to be really upfront with you guys that I don't expect you to be as extroverted as me, right? I, I think we've all got our, you know, some of you are going to be at the computer, like doing the background stuff. I, like, I understand that, that we're not all extroverts, but we all can invite people we love. We all can be loving to our neighbors. Can we not? Right? And this is what's amazing, is if we really do this right, eventually people will start asking us to come to our church. This happens to this guy all the time. People come to him and say, wait, do you go to that church? And he, he'll, he won't tell them that he's the pastor. He'll be like, yeah. He's like, I've heard such good things. I've just been really struggling. I just feel like I should come. And they didn't hear about Jesus, per se. They heard about how they've been serving the poor. So they're like, whoa, there's a church doing what they say they do. And can I say that this will also, just from a like more worldly way to think about this, marketing-wise, this will set us apart a little bit from just the other seeker-sensitive churches. That we are doing two things, that we're not just gathering, but we're also scattering. We're also going, because there, our mission's bigger. Our mission isn't just to gather people in, although that's a big part of it. Um, okay. I haven't gotten to talk in a while. It's been a couple of weeks since I preached or something. Um, let me just tell you a story, and then we'll be done. So did you get that this needs to become a way of life? More than a program, more than a checklist. It's a lifestyle. Can I add something? Yes. Do you want me to get the microphone? Yeah. I think that's a huge challenge, but I think it helps to think, okay, I'm on mission. Yeah, right. missionaries to our culture. Yeah, we are missionaries. This church is a missionary church. Yeah. It's about Jesus. Right. So at eleven, it's like, hey guys, thanks so much for coming. We're finished with uh, you know the project that we tried to work on. The rest of us, by the way, this happens to be the church that we attend. We're not gonna go into, you know, talking about why we all came together to do this for Jesus and maybe sing some songs and, and maybe learn some more about the, the fundamentals of mm-hmm. before. That's interesting. Yeah. Right. And it's something that can be off site where there is a corporate day at the meeting place for anybody who comes in, hey, welcome. By the way, we're not here today. Yeah. We're over there and we've got a person who's gonna play Jesus for you and give a cue card to drive you to right. ten minutes down the road while we're all serving this and that. Well so I think those are really great ideas. And actually, he, he did one Sunday a month where he'd canceled church and served the poor. And we, we adopted that model at Sunday night for the first year or so. And so the benefit to that is it was amazing because it really, really, really like put the value in. The drawback was it didn't work great when new people came, especially if we weren't here. So like to walk in without knowing what you were walking into and be forced into serving was weird. So there are ways to do it yeah. Before the, 
Right. Yeah. Right. Those are those are absolutely possible possibilities and ideas that we're willing to entertain. I think that I think that there's some logistical ways that we're going to try to build it in. So let me give you one idea that I've been thinking about that is definitely stolen from somebody, but um, it might be the same guy actually. But so let's say you have a small group that meets eight weeks, right? We do three eight week things. Well, what this guy does is he has a small group leader and an outreach leader, and they lead the group together. You don't get a small group unless you have two leaders, one focused on leading the small group, one focused on leading outreach. And what they do is every other week. So they meet together as a small group. And then the next week for small group, they either go do an outreach project together or they have a party where they invite their friends or they're all in their own homes with a friend. But that's called small group that night. Okay. And they go back and forth. I think that's pretty aggressive for us. But I think if we'd met eight times and you tried to have two that were outreaches. That would be pretty amazing. And I think that like, you know, just, we're meeting tomorrow night, so I don't want to like take over all the ideas. I want to hear everybody else's ideas. But like, I think the ones in Avon Grove could reach Avon Grove, the ones in Elkton could reach Elkton, the ones in Newark could reach Newark. And then maybe once a quarter, all the small groups in Avon Grove do a big Avon Grove thing. And all the small groups in Elkton do a big Elkton thing. So you build some of those structures in. But then the other thing, Gary, is we have to not overbuild so that, every, so that the, the people, us, and the people we attract, become dependent on the structure and don't live it. And that's what he found is he found that it was only happening when he structured it. So he stepped away. And that's why he put it into small groups. And it needs to become a lifestyle where this is just who we are. So it's less about program and it's more about lifestyle. But you need enough program to like support it and teach it kind of. So if you have ideas like that, we're open. Um, I was going to end with a story. But uh so there's, this is just like talking about, like what you said, Jonathan, living on mission, right? And again, this is my personality, so you don't have to do it just like this. But um, I was on a field trip with Eden's class, and we went to Plumpton Park Zoo, and then we went to some ice cream place, Kilby's. And um, like, huh? Oh, well, he couldn't hear me. <laughs> so uh, I did see the giraffe. He was pretty exciting. No, we didn't get anybody saved at Pumpkin Park Zoo. I didn't get anybody saved anywhere. But there was, um, there were these two like twenty-something girls with a, with a kid who were talking at the playground at Kilby's, and I kept walking by them because I was chasing. I was playing with the kids in the corn maze, and I was so whatever. And every time I walked by them, I would pick up snippets of the conversation, and it was very clear that she was sharing some really painful stuff that had been going on. But I couldn't get enough information to know what was going on. But I kept feeling this draw, right? And you've all been there, right? So it's like, uh, you know, I'm like a chaperone with kids right now. Like, this isn't the time. And so I just let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. And also, like, you know, it's kind of weird. She's a 20-year-old girl. Like, that's kind of weird. And um, so, but, like, right near the end of the trip, I came out of the store and— she was sitting alone, and the friend had left, the kid had left, and so I just struck up a conversation, and I just, like, Mandy has a tattoo, and this girl had a tattoo, so I was like, hey, I, I like your tattoo, and I was able to slip in that I had a wife really quick, too, which is really good. My, um, beautiful. my beautiful, amazing wife, whom I love, has a tattoo. By the way, I like yours, too, um, and so it was totally natural. I'm smooth. I'm smooth. So... I don't know. I started talking about her tattoos. We started talking about where, you know, where, she, where she got that. And I talked about where Manny had hers. And then like, it was just like small talk for a while. And I just felt like, okay, you, know, you don't always have to, to jump in. But I just felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, to be honest. So I just said, you know, 
I was just walking by you, and I just, I heard you guys, sounds like you've been through rough, some rough times. I didn't tell her that I actually didn't know what it was. I just, like, had sensed this. And I said, you know, um, I said, I'm starting a new church in a couple months, and, you know, it, we're building the church for people like you. You know, I mean, like, people who are just in kind of a hard spot in life. Like, we're literally building it for you. And I'd love for you to come. And, you know, it's like one of those moments where she's like, that's incredible. She tells me about how her fiancé just died two months ago. And she just starts crying right there in the front of Kilby's. And like, and, and instantly I'm inside of this place, this sacred space in her life that I had no right to be in. Yeah, the Holy Spirit took me there. But like I could have easily walked past that and there never would have happened. Who knows, right? Who knows what's going to happen? Like, not every interaction, I've learned this, you know, not every interaction leads to something. Um, but, so we talked, like, in depth about the pain that she was in. And if it weren't for the kids in the field trip, like, we would have talked for a really long time. Finally, all the kids surrounded me, and there's this lady crying, and it's like, okay, well, I gotta go. But, so, but I have her number on my list. You should, you should hopefully have a list that you have, too, of people that I'm gonna invite when we start the new church. So she's on there, and, I, and her name's Brittany, and I'm praying for her. <laughs> such, a, such a joker. Yeah, Brittany Spears, that's what he said. For those of you over there who couldn't hear it, just wait, guys. Wait and believe till we try to have a serious meeting. It's <laughs> guys, I'm gonna be a different person. Yeah, that's true. Well, if you take Dramamine at all, you'll just be wiped out the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, but, I, you know, it was just like reinforcement. Like, I keep asking the Lord to, to give me opportunities to teach me. It just is teaching me that there are normal people who aren't scary. I was intimidated by this person, but who are just like normal people with like normal pain. And you know what? Jesus is the answer. But I don't, I don't have to like force it on her or anything. I was just nice, literally. And who knows where it's going to go. But I just want to encourage you guys. Like, I mean, the, the whole story with Adam, too. I mean, you guys, a bunch of young adults are friends with Adam. Like, I just, you know, Adam's this guy who's really coming into faith. And it's all because his friend said, you know what? You should come to young adult group with me. His friend just invited him. And then Raymond, you guys know Raymond. He's on, he's on the launch team now. He, he invited him to young adult group. And then, like, Raymond's had multiple times where he's just gone over to his house and worked on his truck with him till like, 3 in the morning. And then he didn't get any work done on the truck because, per Adam's words— we just talked at a level that just hit me in my soul. This is a guy who's never been to church. He, is, he doesn't know the language at all. He literally asked me his first day at church, what are the rules here? Because I don't want to do anything wrong. And he's like, a conversation like hit me in the soul. And we're just talking. We, we went out to lunch this week and I was able to just tell him like, like, God wants to give you good things. And that's like a concept that's just totally, he's like, Why? Like, I just do what I need to do. Why do I, why do I deserve anything? Like, like, I just earn what I need to earn. And like, he, grace, the whole concept of grace that we all take for granted, it's a foreign idea. And so, like, I don't want to spill Adam's beans in front of y'all because he's going to be part of us. But, like, I, I'm praying. And now, if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to be totally devastated. But I'm praying that he's one of our first baptisms in the new church. How sweet would that be? And it might not be. It's okay if it's not. He's got his own journey. But, like, it's out there, guys. People are out there. Literally tens of thousands live within a couple miles of where we're putting this church. Okay. Jesus, we pray that you would help us to be uh, not just an attractional church that's invite our friends and we have, you know, great music and great, uh, great messages and, and a loving atmosphere. 
We want to do that. We want to, we want to do that as well as we possibly can. A plus there, God. But we also want to go and do. We want to not forget the whole thing of our lives needing to mean more. Being in our community, working with nonprofits, serving the poor, feeding the hungry, loving our neighbors, being nice to our friends, inviting people over to our houses who don't go to our church. You know, going to parties that, that don't have something to do with church. God, bending the rules of what it means to be a Christian. God, let us look like you looked, who was followed around by the prostitutes and the sinners and the tax collectors. And somehow, God, you, you, you were okay. God, help us to, to bend that and, and, and meet the need that's in this world, God. We're saying that we're building this for people who are far from you. God, bring them and help us to go and, and love and serve in a way that just is radical and changes the world, God. The world around us. You know, the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can I ask you really quickly? Yeah.